Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I did have a word from the Lord this morning as we were worshiping. He said... He said, the healing this land is searching for will not come from the halls of the politicians nor from the quarters of the best medical facilities. The healing that this land is looking for resides in the hearts of my people. He said, I have already signed an executive order in the blood of my son Jesus. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and hear this church turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal my land. That is not condemnation, that is instruction. It came from heaven. You see, the church must return to holiness. The church must return to integrity. When the church looks like the world, acts like the world, behaves like the world. Church, we have not turned from our wicked ways. We have embraced the ways of the world and healing will not come until you and I individually begin to ask the questions Does this glorify my Father? Does this represent my Savior? Is it drawing people to the King or away from the King? That, my dear, is the word. All right. Let's uh, let's find a button that works. There, the button doesn't work. All right. Isn't it fun here? Oh, it's on the side in this one, isn't it? No, maybe not. Maybe. All right, we got it. All right, listen, I have got to... You know, because we continually have trouble with PowerPoint and, and we've got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of equipment and we've got highly trained technicians and, and, and all of that and yet a poor old country preacher has trouble getting his PowerPoint working. So, I, I have notes. I have notes if I have PowerPoint. I have notes if I don't have PowerPoint. I have PowerPoint. Listen, a Boy Scout says be prepared. 
Did you get it working, Brother Pastor? Y'all give the pastor a hand. I'll tell you what. I, uh, I love and admire that man. And he said it was working. <laughs> Hallelujah. Maybe I'm asking. It's a magic touch. It must be the anointing that make it works. Are you having any success? All right. Hallelujah. Listen. The down button. <laughs> All right. I want to talk to you today about overcoming the world by taking God at His word. See, I know every one of us in here are not interested in living a defeated life. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be angry. And when I read my word, my Bible tells me that God doesn't want me to be sick, He doesn't want me to be broke, and He doesn't want me to be angry. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Down button. I'm doing it faster. Question number one. If you were God, and you were going to write a book to reveal yourself to mankind... What kind of book would you write? Would you write one that was so complicated that man couldn't understand it? Remember when the scripture was penned by men of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember this. Probably 98% of the world couldn't even read. You see, one of the lies, one of the deceptions that we have bought into is that somehow the average person cannot conceive and receive what the Word says. We pick it up and we read a verse or two or a chapter or two and we say, I don't understand what that just said. Well, hear me please. God is not trying to confuse His people the Bible clearly says that it is profitable for instruction, for correction, for reproof, that the man of God or woman might be thoroughly equipped. So God has not given us a Bible that is in some mystery language that we can't understand. You need to approach it from that vantage point. I will understand what I'm about to read. I will understand. Secondly, how would you know if you were deceived about something? You see, by virtue, the nature of deception is, is you don't know you are. If, it, if you knew you were deceived and continued in that way, then it would be rebellion. So we're going to talk about this thing of Deception. And most likely some of you will have an opportunity to get mad today if that's what you choose to do. 
But that's all right because oftentimes anger brings revelation. It helps us to see something better. It helps us to understand ourselves a little bit better in the midst of that. So here's some things I want you to know. First of all, I want you to get a hold of this verse. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man, nor the Son of Man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Listen to it out of the Message Bible. God is not man, one given to lies, and not a son of man changing his mind. Does he speak and not do what he says? Does he promise and not come through? Listen, guys, I've been preaching over 40 years, and I have watched this world systematically devalue this book. I have watched not only that, I have watched from the pulpit individuals who have taken this word and lessened its importance and lessened its value in the lives of people. One of the difficulties that I have personally in in using an, an iPhone or an iPad in church is I don't know if you're surfing the web, looking at Facebook, or really reading the Scripture. And you know what? Nobody else does either. And the truth is, some of us are doing all of it. I want you to leave here today with an elevated view of the Word of God. Because I believe that's where the answer is to the dilemma that we're in. Strange how God has brought that up two or three times already in the service. Confirming that in our lives. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life, and that more abundantly. That word abundantly means super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. I'm going to talk to you this morning about your perception and how your perception governs your ability to receive from God. How you see the Word of God and how, see, how you see the person of God governs completely how you receive from God. You see, I was watching an old Western movie and one of the cowboys was talking about he used to be a preacher. And he made a quote to somebody and he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And immediately the young lady that he was talking to said, Well, what did the Lord take away from you? And he said, Something very special, my wife. You see, that is a perception of the Word of God. The perception is, the truth is, God did not take her. But the perception is, are you beginning to understand? I'm going to talk to us on the inside. Your perception of the Word of God 
well, it's just an old book. It's outdated. It's really not relevant. Your perception of God as a person, he's a mad God. He takes things from me. He's, no. You see, your perception has everything to do with whether you can receive from God or not. So I want us to think about those things as we go through here today. Now, you need to know this. God is a good God. God gives good gifts to His children. There is no fault with God. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. God's Word is inspired and it is profitable. You need to know that. You see, you need to settle that issue. God is not mad at you. God is not trying to hurt you. God is not putting sickness on you. God is not taking things away from you. That is not the character of God. The character of God is always redemptive. The character of God always brings something to me that is beneficial and something to you that's beneficial. You see, you need to understand and I need to understand and we need to settle the question of the character of who God is. And we need to settle the question about the Word of God. You see, if we approach the Word of God with doubt, we put doubt into what God has said. If we read the Word of God and we say, well, I don't think so, you've just called God a liar. The audacity of that. Now let's look at some things. He's given us the gift of redemption. Now think with me. Why would God send His only Son to die on the cross for our sins? Why would He declare that we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus? Why would He allow His only begotten Son to be beaten, ridiculed, and mocked in front of a mob of men to save us only to come back and hurt us? You see, it is contrary to his character, it is contrary to his purpose to accuse God of something that is against his character. Now, I know character is not such a big thing to people anymore, but in my dad's generation, character was everything. That back when multi-million dollar deals were made with a handshake because men had integrity. Well, God is a God of integrity in the midst of that. He calls redemption the indescribable gift. See, God has given good gifts and He's given us the Holy Spirit. You see, Acts 2.8 says this, said, And Peter said, Repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 1.8 it said, When you receive the Holy Ghost, you will receive power, so there's an empowerment gift. Not only has God loved you and redeemed you with His only begotten Son, He has taken the third person of who He is, the Holy Spirit, and He has put Him on the inside of you to empower you to live a life for Him. 
We are not without power. We are not without redemption. We are not sinners trying to get saved. We are saints that have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus. We are not hopeless and helpless believers. We are men and women who have been endued with power from on high and it's inside of you if you know Jesus. God loves us. We need to understand that. Not only that, he's given good gifts to his church. If you go to Ephesians and and study the fourth chapter, you will find that he has given to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Good gifts. He has not only saved you with his son's death on the cross and the blood that he shed. He has not only filled you with the Holy Spirit. He has put people in your life that are here to help you grow and become. Do not think this attack against the church is not of the devil. Anytime the body of Christ doesn't come together, the church suffers. You suffer. I suffer. It is not the same sitting home watching your television as it is being in the body of Christ. There is an anointing that happens here. There is an empowerment that happens in the midst of the gathered saints that cannot happen anywhere else. So he's given good gifts to the church. Now I want you to notice why he has given these gifts. Well, let's let's talk about that just for a moment. He's given apostles because an apostle is one that's set apart. You see, if the anointing of the apostle, if the gifting of the apostle is on you, you're always looking for a new place to do a kingdom work. You're always looking. Where can we have another church? Where can we have another Bible study? Where can we do something to further the kingdom of God? Well, if you have the anointing of a prophet, you're going to be like my wife, black and white. There is no gray area in my wife's life. It's either wrong or it's right. That's it. See, she just drives those people that believe in in everything is relative crazy. You know, people that believe it's relative, well, it can be wrong for me, but it's all right for you. That's a bunch of hooey. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The evangelist sees everybody saved or lost. I have an evangelist friend. He's not near as interested in whether you're growing as whether you're saved. And that's a good place. Pastor, that's that's Pastor Mercy here. You know, I I try to fuss about y'all and he just says, well, you know, you got to take it. No, I don't. Pastor has a mercy. Give him another chance. It'll be better. Things are working out. Hey, come on now. How about the teacher? That's the one who's always got another lesson. Dear Lord, always something to teach in the midst of that. So, let's quickly, we've got to hurry through here. The purpose of the gift of the fivefold is why did God give to the church? Now, we know he, he gave Jesus so we could be redeemed. He gave the Holy Ghost so we could be empowered. He gave the gifts of the fivefold ministry to the church Let me read it to you. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. You see, God gave those gifts to us so that we could become what we are supposed to be in the midst of that. 
Now, what's the desire of the fivefold ministry? Here it is. Now, notice these words as I read it. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a, a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are, we are to grow up. Now notice those words. You see those words? You see the word unity, knowledge, maturity, fullness, speaking the truth in love, grow up. That's what the fivefold ministry is for. Now, how many of you know you'll never accomplish that by just being a Mr. Nice Guy? Just patting you on the back. Oh, it's all right, honey. You're going to look like the world. You're going to act like the world. You don't have to be honest. It's No! The cry is holiness, church. We are to be different, uniquely different from the world. But the world has con con convinced us that if we're not like they are, then we're missing something. But I'm here to tell you the reality of this thing is there's nothing better than who he is. That's not just a song. That's truth in the midst of that. Now, so the goal of is that everybody fitly and held together with every joint supply. You see, God saved you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, gave you the fivefold ministry so that you might become the very best at what God has equipped you to do for the church. Do, do you see that? You're, you're a part of God's design to make the church work. And, and when you or I are not functioning in that office, the church suffers. If you're one who says, oh, well, somebody will do it, I really don't. No, no, no. Nobody can take your place. You are uniquely designed and set for God to use in the midst of the church, in the midst of that. <coughs> now, now, here's the mystery, guys. Yet with all of these attributes from God, all of these gifts that God has given us, salvation, Holy Ghost, teachers, preachers, evangelists, pastor, teacher, all the gifts He's given all of you who have been uniquely appointed to be a part of the kingdom of God, then tell me why it is that we're living in a world filled with turmoil and confusion and fear. See, PowerPoint don't work. I got fear underneath turmoil. You see what I'm saying? My question is, why? Why are you, why am I, why are hundreds of thousands of born-again believers living their life in fear, turmoil, and confusion when they have been given the indescribable gift of redemption by the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Ghost, led by the fivefold ministry, 
empowered to do your part in the kingdom, why is the church in such disarray? Why is the world in disarray? Now we can say this. Well, we live in a fallen world. And we do. But we're not fallen. We're redeemed. We've been bought with a price. We've been empowered for victory. So why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we're deceived. You see, we're we're deceived. Remember I asked you that question. How would you know if you're deceived? Well, if you're not pursuing what the Word of God tells you is yours, you're deceived. If you're settling for less than what God's Word tells you is yours, you are deceived. If you're satisfied in the midst of that. Now, how am I going to know what God promised? How am I going to know there's only one way? See, it's not just the unredeemed, not just the unbeliever, not just the world-minded, but the church is suffering in the same way with all of those same ailments. What's the problem and what's the cause? Well, I'm going to tell you, your yow butt gets in the way. That's what happens. You see, what happens is this. We read the scripture, and and instead of saying, yes, Lord, we say, yeah, but what about? See, we, we read a promise from God that says, I shall supply all of your need according to my riches in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. And we look at our bank account, and then we say, yeah, but. We read by his stripes we are healed and we're sick as a dog. We say, yeah, but how about, you see, what we have done, we have been deceived into believing the circumstance rather than the promise. We have taken our circumstance over what the word of God declares. I'm going to show you in a minute, prayer for we have time. I'm going to show you in, the, in a moment Every time you doubt God, you're losing a degree of your ability to believe God. Can I say that again? Every time we doubt God or His Word, we're losing a degree of our ability to believe God. And it is a systematic thing. The more I doubt the Word of God, the more I question the character of God, the more I interject my worldly mentality in, the less I have ability to receive the promises of God. See, if you're going to stay healthy, you don't wait till you get sick to thank God for your health or ask Him for it. See, we've been taught that. But the reality is, what you do on your well days determines what happens on your sick days. Because that's what the Word teaches us. We got to hurry. All right. 
Let me just run through this. Let me show you some scriptures. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This whole chapter deals with the, the man of lawlessness. And it talks about the, the end time and, and what's going to happen uh, uh, prior to and, and during the rapture of the church and, and when the believer is taking out and, and the, the man of restraint is taken out and all hell breaks loose on earth. But I want you to notice this one sentence in verse 10. And with all the deception of wickedness, for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God sent upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. In order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in, right, in ungodliness or unrighteousness. You, you see, the, the thing is, is <clears throat> if you don't receive what God has for you, your ability to receive what God has for you diminishes. And, and, and you put it off, 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 and you put it off. At some point, you no longer sense the call. It's, it, listen, your salvation is not dependent upon you to the extent that God must call you. And I will say this this morning, if God's been dealing with you about your eternal salvation and where you'll spend eternity, I would not leave this building today without finding somebody and praying the sinner's prayer, asking God to forgive me of my sin, because you never know when you walk out that door whether that's the last time it'll ever prick your heart. That's serious. That's serious, people... People are, are leaving this world every single day. You, you know, coronavirus is absolutely nothing compared to eternity without Jesus Christ. You have the most precious gift ever given. The redemption of your eternal soul, the forgiveness of your sins. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You have been empowered. You have been instructed. You have been called to be a part of the most awesome thing in the world, the body of Christ. And yet, we read His Word and we say, yeah, but... No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let, let's talk about something else. Let me look two or three verses. Jesus warned us, John 10, 10, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. What's the coronavirus doing? Stealing, killing, and destroying. 40 million people unemployed. Last statistic I heard. Homes in foreclosure. Jobs gone. Families destroyed. The, the, the mentality of people because they have to be at home. Now you tell me God's the author of that? I think not. Not according to what Jesus taught. 
You see, but, it, but it, well, it's just an act of, no, it's not an act of God. It's the work of the devil. How do I know that? Because the Word tells me so. He said that if you see it and it's killing, it's destroying, it's the work of the devil. That's what he came for. But what did Jesus say he came for? He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Peter warned us, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour. How about when Peter, Peter warned us, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, thus will he also reap. We've been warned, church. We've been told the truth by the word of God. Paul warned Timothy, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, if you're still listening to the evening news and believing it, I pray for you, you are in deception. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. If you do not understand at this point that the majority of the media is anti-Christ, anti-God, and anti-America, you need help. I'm just telling you the truth. If you just buy into everything that comes over your Facebook web, you're in trouble. Because I'll guarantee you, right there, Paul said to Timothy, I'm going to tell you one thing. In the end times, it's going to get worse, and people are going to be deceived, and there's going to be deceivers. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the believer to wake up. It's time for the believer to understand that it's not all sugar, spice, and everything nice. It's time to wake up and for the believer to say, hey, I've got to be vigilant. I've got to be sober. I've got to be, I've got an adversary. Somebody's after me. Somebody's after my kids. Somebody's after my house. Somebody wants my car. We got to to understand that, church. You know, years and years ago, uh, there's a tape series here in the church. I, I saw it. Just recently, it's, it's called the, the, the Church Asleep and in Bondage. It's probably 40 years old, a cassette tape series. And it talks about the same thing, that we sit by and we slumber. Because I am not, you, you know, I'll be honest with you, coronavirus hasn't adversely affected Sharon and I. You know... I mean, hey, we live on Social Security anyway. Plus what God gives, which makes it work. You understand what I'm saying, church? I'm trying to lead you back to when you take your Bible and, and thank God we're going to start next week. Let your response not be, well, I don't understand that. Or my life doesn't look like that. Say, yes, Lord, show me what you're saying. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. Your word is forever settled in heaven. Yes, Lord, show me what you're trying to show me. Teach me what it is I need to learn. Not just, I don't know what it... No, 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 no. Your attitude... Now, we've got to hurry because I want to get through this, all right? God's word is true, not just the part we like, not just the part we understand, not just the part that's politically correct. All scripture is inspired of God. All scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. What you like, what you don't like. All. What convicts you, what encourages you. All inspired of God. Paul told Timothy that when he wrote to him. 
He says no scripture is a matter of private interpretation. You know, I don't really, I mean, thank God. Let me say this. Thank God when God gives us dreams and warnings. I believe that God does that. I believe they're Holy Ghost inspired. Some of you have watched a, a man on TV, a preacher man from Kentucky, and he was, he was talking about three dreams, one that he had in December and then two that he had last week, I believe it was, and he was talking about all that was going to go. And that may be the truth. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But the reality is this. He ain't the Word of God. And when you begin to put your stock in what somebody has said rather than what the Word of God says, then you're leading yourself in a wrong way. The Word of God is forever settled. My Word is not. My, my Word will be judged in the midst of that. God's Word is the truth. Jesus said so. I'm going to skip over it. So how does deception work? If it was obvious, it wouldn't work. Deception, and I've already said this before, is deception by its very nature. I don't know I am deceived. You see, see in this, listen to me, many of you young people and college students that have been taught that it's all relative. Now, in other words, it, it could be wrong for Pastor Jim, but it's all right for you. But, but Pastor Jim sees it as wrong and, and you see it as right, so, so that's okay. No, 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 no way. That's not saying I'm right and you're wrong. That's saying both of us are subject to this word. So if what I believe is not out of this word, then, then I'm as wrong as the next guy. But the Bible tells me that it is the Word of God. So I can take the Word of... See, our present world hates absolutes. You, you know what the whole... Multi, I think there's somebody said there's 57 designated genders. Do you know all that is, is trying to say, God, we know better than you do. We men are smarter than you are, God. You just knew there was two kinds. We think there's 57. See, if you, if you boil all of that stuff down, that's contrary to the Word of God, every bit of it is trying to diminish and insult the character of God. The Word of God says that God created them male and female. I don't argue with you. You can be whatever gender you want, but the Word of God argues with you. You understand what I'm saying? That's the Word of God. Well, that's just an old book. Man wrote it. Yeah, man wrote it inspired by God. See, the thing is, you've got to approach the Word of God differently. I like this cartoon. You probably, I don't know if you can see it. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their, they don't want their illusions uh, destroyed. See up here they go into an inconvenient truth and a reassuring lie. See there's, there's, there's a lot of people that go to a lot of places simply because nobody disagrees with them. Church ought to be about disagreeing with people because people walk in the door and they've been deceived. 
Not that we haven't. But if we can go back to the Word of God, then we can come to some kind of common ground in the midst of this. Right. Now, now I've got to run through this. Play, pay close attention. I, I'm going I'm to skip right through it. There's a story in Luke chapter 19, if you'll read it. And it talks about, <clears throat> talks about Jesus, it talks about a, a nobleman that's going to go off and be crowned as king. And so he calls ten of his servants together, and contrary to popular belief, he gave each one of the ten one coin or one amount of money. And he went off and was gone, and he came back. Now he's the king. So he calls his servants in and says, What did you do with the money I gave you? The first one said, I took the one you gave me, and now it's ten. Other one comes in and says, I took the, the one you gave me, and now it's five. And then the third one comes in and says, I knew you were a hard man. That you took things that you didn't, that you reaped where you didn't sow. And the, the, the ruler, the king, said to him, Thou wicked slave, take the one, give it to the one who had the ten. If you knew me to be an exacting man, if you knew me to be a man who wants a return on my investment, you should have put the money in the bank and at least I would have gotten my money back with interest. You see, that man, uh, that man's ability to receive was directly connected to how he perceived his master to be. Are you following my thought? So, which brings us to this. Your ability to receive from Father God is based on your perception of Him and His Word and your response to that perception. Can I say that again? You need to hear it. Your ability to receive from Father God is directly based on your perception of Him. How you see God. If you see him as hard, as cruel, as judgmental, when you come to him, you're going to have that perception of him and you're going to react and respond in accordance to your perception. You see, it's strange to me, those other two men didn't have any trouble with their master. They took what he gave, went and used it, invested it, whatever they did, and brought a return. But this man perceived his master as different. And his perception of his master governed what he received. Are you seeing that? Now my point that I'm trying to make this morning just for the sake of time. When you read or hear a scripture, your perception of that scripture and your response to your perception governs your ability to receive what that verse teaches or promise. If your yeah but gets in the way, you know, if you're one of them guys that, that you read God's, God is love, 
Well, if God is love, then how come he destroyed all those babies over there in the Old Testament? Then you're going to respond to God as a baby destroyer. But if you read the promise of God and your response is, yes, God, not because you understand it, not because it's applicable where you are, but if you'll just read the scripture and you'll say, yes, Lord. Lord, I don't understand it. Teach me. Don't bring doubt. Don't bring fear. Don't bring presumption into your Bible reading. Read it as the word of God. And if you don't understand what he's saying, ask him to reveal it to you. If he doesn't reveal it to you at that moment, then at some other time he will give you revelation of that. But I want to show you this, I want to show you this first before I let you go. Faith, listen to this, faith is not based on what we see, what we feel, or what we understand. See, that's been our problem. We try to read the Word, and we try to get it to make us feel something. We, we, we want it to help us to understand something. But our approach to the Word of God needs to be, it's the Word of God. I don't have to explain it. I don't even have to understand it. It's the Word of God. And in due season, it will come. You see, the Word of God is multi-layered. There's that layer for the new believer that's just developing his faith. There's that layer for that next level and that next level, and you never extinguish the depth of God's love and the depth of God's Word. Because you can read something as a 20 or 30 you're a Christian under your belt, and the Word of God will say something to you, but it's still the Word of God. Now, here's the verse I want to show you before you let it go. I'm back in Luke 19. Then he, the king, said to the bystanders, Take the manna away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And they said to him, Master, he already has ten. Now listen to what Jesus said. I tell you that everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. So now let's apply that principle. Let's say I approach the Word of God with some knowledge. But when I read the Scripture, I say, yeah, but. Then I have just doubted what the Scripture said. Instead of that, say, Lord, help me to understand. You see, because as you approach the Word of God, if you receive it, it enables you to grow and to be more receptive. Why did he give the one to the guy who had ten? Because he had applied what he had. Do you see that? Stop waiting on God to do some miraculous thing in your life and dear God begin to use what you've got. If you've got a little, use a little. If you've got a lot, use a lot. But dear God, use what you got. Make yourself available. 
If you know this much of the Scripture, live that much of the Scripture. If they know that much of it, live that much of it. Because the more that you receive the Word of God, the more the Word of God is able to implant into you and you grow and become more. Apply what you have. And God will cause the increase. God will cause the increase. Quit trying to worry about trying to start somewhere. Start where you are, dear saints. Let's start where we are. I can't start anywhere but where I am. I wish I could go back 30 years ago and start over, but I can't. So all I can do is start as a 77, soon to be 78-year-old man and just begin to go from where I am. And that's all you can do. But you know what? I've been challenged when I read the Word of God. You know how I read it? Yes, Lord. That's just who He is. See, even when you don't see Him, He's working. Even when you don't hear Him, He's working. That's just how He is. Quit trying to get God to show you everything He's doing because He's not going to do it. And if he did, it'd blow the top of your head off. Start where you are, church. When you pick up your Bible tomorrow and you begin to read it, don't read it with doubt and fear and condemnation. Read it as a God that loves me, has empowered me with redemption, has given me the Holy Ghost, has given me men and women to teach me, has surrounded me with a bunch of loving people that have my best interest. Read it like that, and when you read something you don't understand, say, Yes, Lord! I'm going to believe you till I understand it. As you do that. Now that should have been a good amen right there. All right. Lord bless you. We love you. Stay and have some cakes. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.